Welcome to Barbershop Banter, your quick cut into the world of e-commerce and retail business. Your hosts, Lucas Kemper and co-host Baxter Conley, share the nitty-gritty of their product line journey. Tune in for bites of wisdom and stories of how Dandyman Collection came to be. Let's dive in. All right. Podcast episode number three. Yeah. Barbershop Banter podcast episode number three so lucas i thought um this would be inner there's a lot of uh you know kind of aspects to this but i thought it would be cool to talk about your journey to becoming a barber yeah right so i'm, I'm imagining when you were growing up your parents weren't like son go to school work hard make good grades go to college and become a barber <laughs> yeah <laughs> no not at all so um also too, like another aspect of this, and I know we've had this conversation with, with the barbers, but obviously, you know, everybody knows, uh, you know, gen AI is a thing. Chat GPT is amazing. You know, there's now, um, you know, just all throughout history, automation has replaced jobs, right? Cause you know, everybody obviously just wants to remove human element and air. So the yep. automation is always, um, an objective for most industries and, um, you know, kind of the, the, the kind of white collar jobs, paper pushing desk jobs and all that stuff have sort of been immune to that, you know, until mm -hmm. now. And now AI's on the forefront, it's here. And a lot of those, you know, a lot of those executive type jobs, lawyers, analysts, writers, cre even creation, you know, like some of the movie script writing and all of that stuff is going to be impacted by automation, right? Yeah. And everybody's worried about those jobs going away. So like, I see trades and tradecraft is going to be, you know, something that's going to be important for, for people just to live and make money and things like that. Right. And I think barbering is a great, um, is in a great option and a great opportunity. I think a lot of people maybe don't understand how much money you can make as a barber. Um, and how do you make money as a barber? And, um, obviously you've been very successful. You've, you know, you've, you started off, where you started and I just want to kind of, kind of go through this chronologically, just, you know, kind of start us at like what you were doing when you made the decision to be a, become a barber, you know, what was that like? How did you do it? What was the process? I got some questions I want to run through as you're, as you're going through it. Um, but yeah, let's just start there. So, so why, why did you become a barber and, and what was the journey? Yeah, I became a barber. Um, 2015. So I was working corporate and I hated my job. Absolutely hated it, dude. And I never thought that I would ever become like a hairstylist or a barber just due to the, uh, the, the perception of that kind of lifestyle or that group of people, right? Like party hard, fast, you know, all that kind of stuff. Very fluid, this, that, and the other. And it was kind of a, you know, a mental game at first going into beauty school for the first time uh, after I enrolled, you know, quit everything I was doing 2015. So can I, can I jump in real fast? Yeah. Okay. So you were, you had a corporate job, you're working in corporate America. Mm -hmm. you're like, okay. This isn't for me. I just, you know, I know you, you're a pretty creative guy and you're, you're, you go a thousand miles an hour and I'm sure it was just mid-level management was brutal and, and you were just like, I can't do this. So, yeah. so of all of the options out there, how did you land on, I'm going to become a barber? Yeah. So I've always been into art. So, you know, growing up, I wanted to always draw, um, 
you know, sketch, paint, always customizing things. So anywhere from, you know, cars to shoes to clothing, like I was always wanting to put my own touches on it. And I like the instant gratification of creating. Like I like to see the final result of something that I could, you know, turn out pretty quickly. And my sister is a, a well-known hairstylist um, in Birmingham, Alabama. And she actually got wind of me not being content or happy with where I was going. And she reached out and said, have you ever thought about being a cosmetologist? And I was just like, hell no. <laughs> right. Nope. Never right. thought I had, but right. <laughs> you know, right. being a 22 year old dude, 23 year old dude, you know, single, it was a great idea, dude. Right. Like well, chicks. Yeah. Like well, I'm going <laughs> to the perfect place, you know, right. To be around the people that I want to be around. Um, <laughs> Uh, needless to say that changed very quickly as my now wife, it was in my class. So, so there wasn't any, any detours or anything like that. I met my wife very early on and we've just been compatible ever since, but I switched from, um, so you went to cosmetology school first okay, in 2015. So I started doing women's hair. And then shortly after I got married, I was like, oh, dude, I can't do this. Like, I can't be around women 24-7. Like, I need some dudes in my life again, you know? <laughs> I need some bro time. So I always liked the camaraderie of the barbershop. I got my hair cut at the barbershop. Um, and I actually worked at the barbershop when I was going through school to learn more about men's grooming because that's what I actually wanted to do. But I got talked out of it because of you don't make as much money as the Cosmo side doing mm -hmm. women's hair. Um, so I got talked out of it and I went and did women's hair and luckily I landed at a really high end salon and learned from, you know, one of the top educators in the world for Samvia, uh, how to cut style and, and color and all that, but it just wasn't fulfilling. So going into the barber world in 2017, I went into the barber world. So I went back to school, got my barber license and then went into the barbering scene. Okay. So um, those are just to... For clarity, those are two different licenses and two different skill sets. Yes. So you can practice barbering, quote unquote, you know, in any state with a cosmetology license. You just can't perform the services that barbers can perform. AA, AK, um, straight razor shaving. So on the back of the neck, the face. And that's really the only thing that barbers can do that cosmos can't do or cosmetologists can't do. But that is the big point to drive home as being a barber is to be able to use that straight blade, right? You can, you know, charge more for services. You can perform more services. Um, you can just tailor the haircut in just like the really minuscule details that go into men's cutting. And how long is cosmetology school and how long is the barber certification part of it? Yeah. So where I went to school, Cosmetology was 12 months. So it's the exact same hours as you're going to get a four year degree. So going to college sucked. And then going to college and finishing the amount of hours it took to do a four year degree in one year sucked. And then the barbering side, um, it depends on the state. So if you go right after, uh, you have to do the full program because you don't have enough hours inside of that one certification. So like a two years, you know, out practicing hair, you can go in and just take a written test. Um, so in where I was, it was 40 hours of additional just shaving. So every day we are shaving for 40 hours total uh, for one week. So we were going, we learned, you know, all about the barbering history, um, how the barbershop came to be, you know, what the colors stand for in the barber pole, 
um, what the services what, they what used to the, perform. What do the colors stand for in the barber pool? Yeah. So the white is bandages. Bandages? Yep. And the red is blood and the blue is veins. <laughs> so when barbers first got started, they were they were more like barber surgeons, right? So bloodletting was a real thing. Right. So they use bloodletting. Uh, they tie your hands and your arms to the chair and they slit your wrists and let all the bad spirits come out, you know, into the, your blood would run into the buckets and then they would dump it. Uh, they also were basically and then they would dentists while they were doing that. Uh, well, that, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't there for that one, but they were also, uh, they also were dentists. Like they would extract teeth, right? So they would perform a lot more services than just haircutting right now. And that's how the colors came to be. Hmm. And, the, and they used to be called barber surgeons. So we learned all about that history. Um, you know, you'd go through shaving techniques on a balloon. So, you know, how much, you know, pressure you're putting on the skin, if it's going to cut slice or whatever, you learn on a balloon first. And then once you graduate that, then you just go out on the floor and you start shaving actual people's faces and necks and everything else. Right. And so what's that like when you, when you make the transition from the classroom to real people? It was a little bit nerve wracking just because you see the movie Sweeney Todd before, you know, yeah. you're in a barber and you're like, dang, dude, I could literally kill somebody right now. <laughs> like if I did not like this person sitting in this chair, I could end his life. Right. And so, and it could be on complete accident, you know, and you just, it's, um, every step is very delicate. The process is step by step. You can't skip steps, uh, especially if you want a quality service, like everything has to be done in a systematic approach in the barbering scene or shaving side because of, you know, what can happen if you don't follow those steps. Mm -hmm. So like ingrown hairs, razor burn, hygiene, all that stuff. Hy yeah, yeah. Hygiene, um, you know, cleaning and prepping the skin for irritation, like before and, and post, um, that all goes into effect in the barbering it's, side. Yeah. I've learned just since we've had the barbershop, I did not realize how regulated it is. Right. And the, and the, they come around and inspect the shop and make sure everybody's got up to date certificates and mm -hmm. the tools are clean and we have all the stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty regulated. Yeah. It gets pretty hairy, especially if they don't like you. Um, they'll come in and just, you know, ransack the place. They'll go through, right. you know, all your drawers in the back or if your towels aren't put up and there could be hair getting on them, like, yeah, it just fines or shut down. Yep. So you, okay. So you went to cosmetology school for a year mm -hmm. and that's, Full time, you just that mean that's just you're grinding, grinding for it year. was. I want to say it was either eight to five or nine to five, five days a week, 12 months. Okay, and then on top of that, you're supposed to work whenever you're able to work to obviously have to pay for your lifestyle and your bills and stuff. So it's going to school that long, basically a job. And then going to work in a different job afterwards. And what did you do while you were in cosmetology school? So I bartended. So okay. I bartended in downtown um, at a bar. And then I bartended at a restaurant over by my house where I lived on the south side of town. Yeah, I could see you bartending. I'm yeah, sure so I just, okay. yeah, <laughs> just got to talk to people all day wrong, <laughs> right. wrong right? I got to be the hype man right. to, their, to their party night. So it was a good time. Okay, so you, you got your certificate. You did that year, got your mm -hmm. certificate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you went to a salon? I went to a salon. Okay. And yes. then you did that for? Probably about six months. Okay. And then you're and then like, went, this is a no-go. Then I went to the barbershop. Okay. And then, yep. and then how long did that, the barber certificate certification? So where I was living, it was 40 hours. So 
in Arkansas where we are now, if you don't have the hours after the Cosmo time, it's like two years, mm -hmm. it is um, 500 hours. Ugh. So six months, like four to six months, depending on how often and, and how long you go to mm -hmm. your barber license. So an additional, you know, six months plus like the cost that it takes to do it right after you go. So it's a, it, it is a time investment. It is a time investment for, for sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. you can't do anything else when you're learning because yeah. of the amount of hours you have to put into it. So would you say you're, you were more nervous doing your first women's haircut after school or your first men's haircut after you got your barber certificate? What was that like? Were you, were you, were you a nervous wreck doing your first like live haircut? So my first men's haircut in cosmetology school, we had to do men's cutting too. Like we had to learn clipper work, just kind of an all encompassing uh, license. So my first men's cut, you know, I was super pumped because I was on one of my homies that came in to okay, get his sure. haircut. Friends right? and family yeah, first. Yeah, right? like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah in, okay. into the school. But dude, that haircut sucked. I butched him <laughs> and it took me about an hour and a half to cut a to cut his hair. And it was that bad. Like it was horrible. Uh, and like with the women's hair, you know, in school or outside of school, I think men have an advantage in the, in the hair industry because, you know, we can make the hair look a certain way and be like, Oh, that looks really good. And they're like, Oh, thank you. You know, yeah. but men, you can say, Oh, it looks really good. And they'll turn around and be like, no, it does not. Dude. No this sucks, yeah. you know? And then you're blasted on Google or Facebook or whatever. So I was messing people up man, in the barbering side for m multiple years, you know, probably two years, my haircuts weren't terrible per se, but they weren't, they weren't great. And if I look back now to where I'm at, I, like, I don't know why people came and sat in my chair consistently and so, wanted a haircut. So how did you, how did you turn the corner? Like, how did you improve? What did you do? Like, what, where did you where did you improve your technique? Did, was there somebody that influenced you? Yeah. So when I moved from where I was, my home base was, and my first shop that I launched solo um, was about four and a half hours away. So I had no more mentors inside of the barbershop. So I had to look elsewhere. Um, I also had to push myself to another level. because Wait, I, I want to I wanna make sure I'm clear on this. Okay, so you you get out of cosmetology school, you do mm -hmm. women's hair for six months. You're like, this is a no go. Yeah, go get your barber certificate. You you worked somewhere. Yeah, when you got your barber certificate, mm -hmm. and then you're saying you did that for six months. Yeah, so I was there for six months at my home base. So I was at one shop for about three and a half, and then I got asked to go manage another shop in the area and grow that shop about three and a half months after I started with the company, and then about another three months or four months after that. Um, December of 2017, I got asked to go launch a brand new location in a brand new area. So I was about okay. four and a half hours away from anything that I ever knew. Okay. Anybody so I ever knew. Yeah. And I, I'm now leading, you know, a group of people inside of a barbershop. Um, so the, the quality and the expectation was, had to be way higher. Right. So I had to set my skill set and my cuts at a whole nother level on top of, you know, like leadership and motivation. So all that kind of came into play. Social media was really booming. I was getting connected with, you know, barbers across the world and then companies as well. And I just really dove in. So I eat, I breathed, I slept hair, like everything that I did You're just psycho. was all encompassing hair. Yeah. Like from the time I woke up, like if I wanted to scroll Instagram, it was nothing but haircut videos, right. Or haircut photos or techniques. Um, 
just yeah. like you are now on paid media. You're just, just psycho. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if I want to know something I'm, or I want to be the best at something, I'm going to give it my all. And so me being away, I didn't just have myself to think about anymore. I had my family. So I had to make this successful. I had to push myself beyond what I've ever done um, to be able to get to the next level. And so when I was up there, you know, that's when my career really started to take off because I started to try new trends and I found my cutting style being away from everyone else that, you know, helped teach me how to cut hair or to be subpar at best back where I was originally located. And then one, one photo, man, is all it took. And it was one photo that I took of my hair haircut and it went viral. And from that moment on, it has been kind of a whirlwind of social media. I personally hate social media uh, just because it takes to so much time and energy and I don't post anymore. But that was the first oomph of momentum behind the passion in the hair industry was that first photo that went viral. Okay. And then when, when did you get hooked up with like John Mosley and that crew, his um, yeah. popular nobody? Yeah. So I was rocking with Trevor Moots um, from Orlando um, via social media in 2017, just kind of, you know, chit chatting back and forth, this, that, and the other, I'd see him at barber shows and trade shows. And we just kind of communicate. Um, we have a lot of the same personality traits. Um, and through Trevor, I met John, Okay. but let me backtrack. So I was actually in school and John was a, an educator at Paul Mitchell, the school in Costa Mesa, California. And one of the learning leaders that I had at my school was talking about John and the success that he's had, you know, being um, celebrity barber and cutting all these famous musicians or actors and commercials and all that. And I was like, dude, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like that'd be freaking cool to sit and hang out with, you know, musical artists or, or actors and things like that. So I actually reached out to John while I was still in school and I was like, Hey dude, what can I do uh, to come shadow you? Like, I just want to learn and see what you do and just pick your brain on how you got to where you are. And he, he messaged back immediately, man. It was like, yeah, come on out. Like I'm at Costa Mesa. Just let me know when you're coming, blah, 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 blah. And of course, not having any time, like there was no follow through. Right? right. But there was a connection made. Like he knew who I was. I knew who he was. And then when Trevor introduced us, um, in St. Louis, we are all up there together from that moment on, man. Like I got an invitation to come, you know, learn from him and be a part of his education team. Uh, that's doing big things right now. And that was 20, 2017. Like, so the summer of 2017 is when I got involved with him. Okay. Or no, sorry. Summer of 2018. Yeah. So it seemed, I mean, to me, right from my perspective, all of this happened really fast. Yeah. It seems like forever. Right? But I mean, I've, you know, I've been doing it sales for 25. I've been in it for 25 years and it's taken me 25 years to kind of be, you know, in the, in the upper 50% of it sales guys and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Like the, the fact that you started this whole thing in 2015 and it's not even 10 years later and you've got your own barbershop and your own hair brand. Yeah. Your, you know, products is, is pretty amazing. Right. Yes. That to me speaks to what a psychopath you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always been in careers or working for somebody until I branched out and did everything myself that, you know, there was a lot of promises, but it was always a glass ceiling. Like, so I'd work, 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 you know, and, and try to push through and make changes and make implement things. But it was always a glass ceiling. I could never go any farther, no matter how much I put into other people's businesses 
or shops. Like there was no, no driving force to go any, any further than what I was able to go at right. a certain point. So once I got out and started doing stuff with you and on, on my own and really just being able to dream and vision, dude, it was, you know, it's been a freaking crazy journey. So pedal, pedal to the metal. Yeah. <laughs> billion ideas and always right. multitasking, you know? Right. So in, in that journey, um, I know at some point you, you got involved in product development mm -hmm. for a couple of different product lines. Like yep. how did you, how did that happen? So through social media, when all of my, uh, haircuts, you know, starting to get a lot of traction, uh, in the industry, in the professional industry, I got approached through Instagram and other meta channels to work with these companies. So the first one I got approached to bring them into the shop that I was running and I really liked them, but I couldn't make that call. Unfortunately, even though it was a really good product, I couldn't make that call. So I worked with them and alongside them, you know, to test their products and give them feedback of what we would need and actually got a chance to go um, to their facility and see uh, the whole entire process done from start to finish on creating products. And at that time they made, you know, some, some roll on colognes and candles and stuff like that. So I got to see that as well. But in 2017, um, beginning of 2018, sorry, those two years are getting con confusing because I was here in 2018, but I was also at the first place in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the beginning of 2018, I got approached, uh, with the first company and they wanted me to help develop and pick my brain on products that I thought would be coming into the market based on the trends that we're seeing on the East and West coast in the United States, but primarily in Europe, because Europe is where all of the trends start first, whether it's fashion, hair, makeup, it's all across the pond, uh, where it starts. So being in the professional industry and having connections overseas, um, that were readily available to ask questions or just watch, um, they picked me based on how fast my content was going places to help drive their brand to success. Um, so I aligned myself with them and they were an all natural grooming company that used some synthetic properties in their formulations, but it wasn't um, to the level of being a hundred percent vegan or organic. So, so that was the first one. So speaking of trends, like what are there, is there anybody that you follow? It's, you know, so it sounds like, it's Europe, UK. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, who, who do you follow to kind of keep up with trends, cutting techniques, all that kind of stuff? Or do you, you know, is there anybody stateside that you follow? Yeah. Yeah. So I follow, um, Berg on Instagram. So Berg styles is out in LA. Uh, he's a really good dude. Uh, he actually cut with popular nobody and myself at a hair show um, down in, I think it was Austin at the Austin, uh, barber battle or barber convention. We were down there cutting together. So I follow him and then Thaddeus is from Canada. So Thaddeus, um, owns his own company called gradient. It's an advanced Academy and he does, you know, all the fashion runway stuff for Louis Vuitton and all that. So we're always in talks, you know, um, and then Kevin Letcham from the UK, he's, and lead educator. Uh, so he's in charge of all of Anis's education team in the, in the content that we're going to put out in the styles that we're going to create for the year. He's one of those that's in charge of that. So being a part of Andis, you know, I have a lot of connections with him as well. And then I just follow, um, 
you know, I can't remember the names off the top of their head, but people from like Ukraine and Russia and um, India and Turkey, like all of those demographics do crazy barbering techniques. And like the hairstyles over there on that side of the world are completely different than what we have over here. Right. So, and it's slowly moving this way, you know, and you always see it come from the coast first as people start sure. to, you know, travel and come back and all that. Uh, so those are just some of the few that I follow that I really look into uh, how they're cutting, what they're cutting and how they're styling and, and, and what they're using to style. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, I, and again, I know like in, and I've, you know, seen you uh, on the, on the education front, I know you, you are also an educator. Mm-hmm. And you do barber conferences, right? As you I mentioned, do. you're kind of you're affiliated with Andis Tools, um, and part of that is you go to these barber conferences. You're on stage in the big room, like doing cuts and talking about the tools and how to style it and all that stuff. Yeah. How did you kind of get into that? So I started. And that, that's an additional revenue stream for you, right? I just yeah. Like if we're gonna just yeah. for for context, if there's you know people out there listening that are like, okay, I want to be a barber. How do I make make money? Yeah. Right. Like number one is you start cutting hair and then you make connections and then, you know, cutting hair is one revenue stream, but you can also, you know, get affiliated with tools, do conferences and all that stuff, which becomes another revenue stream. Yeah. Right. So how did you, how did you get kind of hooked up with, with Andis and doing conferences and. Yeah. So it didn't, yeah, it didn't start with Andis. Um, Unfortunately, it started with some other companies, but. Uh, really it's the connections you make, man, and how you present yourself online and in person speaks volumes. So if you are presenting yourself one way online, but in person, whenever you meet the people and you're completely different, like it doesn't set you up for success. So just being authentic and transparent across the platforms and in person is, is the number one thing, but it's the connections that you make in the industry. You can have the best haircutter there is, but if he doesn't have any connections, he's not going to go anywhere. So you have to be personable. You have to have people that want to come see you. You have to have people that want to see what you're doing and they, and they value your opinion and your techniques to be in the industry. Um, so just the connections that I made with John Mosley and Trevor, um, and some other barbers in the industry got me in front of, you know, some, some other brands in the beginning at conventions that I got picked up at. So I started at first cutting, um, or educating for a scissor company, one of the largest scissor companies in the world, actually, if not the largest scissor company in the world today. Um, so I was traveling every weekend with them in the beginning, and it was a consistent grind. So Friday night, as soon as I got off work, I'd be on a plane, and I'd be wherever in the United States. I'd teach six to eight classes over the weekend, so Saturday and Sunday, and then i fly home on Sunday night or Monday. So three to four classes a day as soon as I'm done cutting, which doesn't sound like a lot, but you're in the car, you're traveling, you're cutting, sure. you're traveling, you're cutting, you're traveling and all that stepped away from that company, went to another scissor company, um, that is handmade in Japan, very high end quality scissor. That connection came from John Mosley. And then at the time when I was cutting for the first scissor company, I was with wall clipper company. So I got picked up with wall. I actually submitted my application and videos. Um, and they welcomed me with open arms onto their team. And it was about a year and a half after that, I really wanted to be with the group that I looked up to and they were all with Andis. So I reached out to the Andis director at the time. She's a really, really cool lady, super nice and down to earth. And I was just like, Hey, like 
this is what I, this is what I do. I know, you know, this educator and this educator and this educator. And I know John Mosley and I'm on his team. And she was still like, okay, like (laughs) sweet. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I'm glad you want to be a part of us. Um, and I saw her about six to seven months later after this was during COVID. I first messaged her about six to seven months later is when I went to Austin for the, um, BarberCon Austin. And I was with popular nobody and we were doing on stage, uh, demonstrations as a collective group. And so there's two people that, uh, were on stage or one other person that was on stage with me, um, in the group of people. And we got approached by this lady that was the head of Anna's education team. And she's like, Hey, I like the way you, you know, you carried yourself on the stage. I like the way you educated, like you broke it step down, like step by step really, really well and made it you know, easily chewable for people to understand. Uh, how do you, or what would you think about creating a five to 10 minute educational video using only clippers to do a haircut? Mm -hmm. And I I was like, dude, that's not my style. Like I don't cut hair with just clippers. Like I, I use every tool necessary to create the haircut. So she not only wanted me to create something that I don't ever do, but she wanted to see how I was going to do it. So the next day, I drive from Austin to Dallas and I set up at Paul Mitchell Arlington in one of their classrooms and I shoot a video with John Mosley of how I'm going to do a haircut from all the top to the sides, everything with the same exact, same exact clipper and how I'm going to create texture with the clipper, how I'm going to create straight, straight lines with the clipper, everything. And so I had to create that video and I submitted it. Um, and there was a lot of good feedback, man. Like it was obviously early in the morning and I was whooped from travel and right. education classes. So she kind of looked past that, but there was just a lot of like, pre- like presentation things that I really needed to work on being behind the camera, how I stood, how I talked, my pronunciation, sure. you know, all of this went into it. And so had to create another video. And that, that video led to a conversation of us sitting down and talking about what it would look like if I joined the Andes team. And it's been nothing but great. The Andes culture is something that I truly believe in. Um, 100% made in America, just like Dannyman is. But also they value the end user, right? So they're, they're using us to gather the information on their education team. So we help design the clippers and the blades and the motors and all of that. Like we give our feedback using it all the time, but they really value what the end user says about the clippers and they'll make adjustments according to what they want in the industry. Well, you hooked me up with a pair that I used to like trim my beard. And I do have to say they are, uh, it's awesome. The quality it's, you know, it's that, you know, again, to the professional grade stuff, that professional grade clipper quality is like, I mean, it's noticeable. It's way different than Mm -hmm. if I just, you know, pick something up to trim my beard. Yeah. They're, they're awesome for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just the, you know, from the blade design to the neck design to the housing design, the motor and the battery, it's all done in Wisconsin, which is super cool. So you can actually go to the facility and meet the people that are designing all of this. And the Andis family is still involved in the business today. Like they're actively involved. Right. So it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity for additional um, income, right? So it's, there's barbering. You have these opportunities to do education, which is mm-hmm. a revenue stream. You can represent the tools, which is a revenue stream. Obviously, you know, you're 
your online following is, you know, it's legit. You got some, some good, you know, good, uh, followers, a good number of followers. Mm-hmm. And then how, how, at what point in this journey were you like, okay, I want to do uh, a product. I want to do my own product. I really got into the styling side, uh, in, tw- in 2017, 2018. I really liked the styling aspect of haircutting. Like I focused in the beginning of my career just on techniques so I could just do a great haircut. Like that's all I focused on. I didn't focus on any styling or anything like that until 2017, 2018. And then I realized, Hey, styling is actually a huge part of the service that I'm providing. So I should probably get good at it and understand what products do, how they do it and what to stay away from and what to use. So I dove into it and just wanted to gain as much knowledge and understanding on the product side as I could. And it wasn't until I went out on my own for the first time that I was like, I want to do this. Like, this would be cool. Like, I think, I think I could create something that not only I enjoy using, but others will enjoy using as well. And once I did that in 2020, um, I haven't looked back ever since. So to answer your question, I started down the journey of products in 2018, 2017, 2018. Right. And, and learned as much as I could, as fast as I could, and just aligned myself with brands that would help me learn and grow. Um, and then in 2020, when everything shut down over COVID, is when I started grinding it out. What advice would you give um, to you know people that are maybe considering being a barber or they've made that decision and they, you know, obviously they want to be successful and make money. What advice would you give them? Um, you know, to, and, and also to kind of a follow on question is how long does it take to ramp up to where you're making money? Like how long does it take to build your books and all of that stuff for, for an average barber? Yeah. So there's a lot of factors that go into, I'm going to hit on the booking side first, because that's the number one stressor of people in the service industry is gaining that book. Uh, It all depends a lot on the shop that you choose. So be very selective on the shops that you choose because you have different shops in different places within the same city that have totally different clientele, right? Charge different prices, um, have the walk-in rate or the call-in rate, and then just the quality of haircuts. So really try to align yourself with the brand or the shop culture that that you want you know, in your, in your successes. Um, but right out of barber school, I've seen people do it in six or seven months fully booked, but it's consistent. They're working at the shop open to close and they have the phone with them consistently. And they're constantly handing out business cards or asking the people that are sitting in their chair to send one of their friends and they'll give that guy a free haircut in return. So there's a lot of creative ways you can go about you know, boosting a clientele or just getting a clientele if you have zero. Um, And if you're thinking about going into the barber industry, really think about it. That's what I'm going to say. Really think about it because it's not only like you're not only on 100% of the time because as you turn 30 minute haircuts, you know, when I met you, we are constantly turning Mm -hmm. haircuts, right? So you have to be 100% on every person because that 100% is what's going to get them to come back. So you never have time off. You're constantly on your feet, like your knees will hurt, your feet will hurt, like you're on your feet from the time you get there to the time you leave if you're a booked barber, uh, which is the ultimate goal. 
and there's just no personal boundaries, right? Because you're in the service industry. If somebody wants a haircut, guess who they're guess who they're contacting? Right. You, right? Like there's no free time away from work, even if you don't own your shop. Right. But I think being willing to do those things is how you make money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's how you kind of get a reputation to make money. Um, and we, not not to get into specifics, but I'm sure um, you know, there are a lot of um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to speak for everybody, but you know, I, I see online a lot of the younger generation is like, oh man, I like the cost of living is this. I, you know, I just spent $250,000 for college and I have this job and I'm making $40,000 and this just doesn't make sense and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so barbering, uh, maybe there's a perception that, you know, how do I make money? You know, how much money can I make? Right. And we don't need to get into specifics, but you can make over six figures. Majority of the people that are cutting inside of the shop that we own are, way over six figures. Right. Like, so, but it's all about hustle, right? You mm-hmm. got to hustle and, um, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta start at the start Yep. and you know, you, you gotta start at the start and then work your way and, and do all the things that you said, right. Answer the phone, book people, rebook people and, and get out there and, you yeah. know, get people in your chair, but you can definitely make a living. Yeah. One of the biggest things <laughs> when learning how to you know, create more income if you're just behind the chair is pricing. Cause if you have, if you're fully booked, you know, weeks out at a time, you're too cheap. You're way too cheap for your services that you're providing. That's why you're consistently booked and you can't get anybody in. Uh, so pricing yourself at a level that weans the people that don't respect you in your time out, but allows the people that do respect you in your time to stay in is where you really want to be. And every time, you know, you invest in yourself, in your career or your craft, you want to raise the price because what how you invested in yourself wasn't free, right? It was so an investment. It was an investment from yep. me. So every educational show that I went to where I wasn't educating, I raised my prices. Anything that I did to increase the service was a price increase, you know? And I have a lot of people that reach out and want a haircut now. And then I tell them my price or they don't even ask and I book them and they see that link come through to pay because you have to prepay before you get sit in my chair. They don't do it. But that's fine. Like I used to, you know, kind of hurt my feelings that, that, well, what the hell? They don't think I'm worth it or whatever. But I value myself enough to not worry about if they're going to book or not. Well, but I would also say the market's going to set your price also. Yeah. Right? Like you can raise your prices and then if your business just falls off a cliff, it's obviously... your prices are too high. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. also too, I mean, that's predicated on the quality of the services that you're providing. So yeah, the, the market sets your price and we, you know, we encourage our barbers, uh, you know, our, we want our barbers to make as much money as they can, you know? So they, you yeah. know, they kind of set their, their pricing. Obviously we've got a, you know, we've got kind of a framework, but they, you know, they set their own pricing and they yeah. kind of manage it. Yeah. How I look at, it, I'd rather do, you know, you can kind of break it up in tiers. I can do three haircuts at $30 or I could do, you know, and all three of those people say yes, if my prices are $30 or out of the three people to say yes at $45. Right. And then take it a step further. I could do one haircut for $90. Right. Sure. So I like, however hard I want to work is what my prices are going to be at too. Again. Yeah, yeah, but we, but provided they're yeah. willing, right? Yeah, provided they're the, willing. It's the willing to pay, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you got to raise the willingness to pay for sure by your services you provide. Um, I I have 
really one last question and then we can uh we can kind of talk about whatever um i'm i'm curious and maybe it hasn't been that long. maybe maybe it has but um what like how has the industry changed since you started who do you feel like there's more i i just let me tell you my perception as a customer i feel like there's more more emphasis on good men's haircuts like i can tell you when I was younger, like it was hard to find a place to get a good haircut, you know? And it was, you know, and it, I didn't know any better. I did great clips. I did sports, you know, and it was always just dis disappointing. Mm -hmm. And then, so before I moved here, I lived in DFW in Dallas and they opened this, um, they had a place called the boardroom, which was men's, you know, men's haircuts. And even that, like it was more expensive and they were, you know, I'm, I'm assuming more trained or more capable or whatever, but even that was hit and miss. Yeah. You're paying for the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there now there's a lot more focus on, on quality haircuts for men than there has been in the past, but I'd love to get your, you know, kind of your opinion on that. What's like, what's changed since you've been in barbering? Yeah. People are willing to spend the money if they value the service and they, they feel like they look their best. Like guys will want to look their best now. Um, it just sets you up for success, right? Like you build your self-confidence whenever you walk out of someplace looking and feeling your best. So they strive for that feeling. So I've seen guys that, you know, when I first started cutting hair in Bentonville, where we are now in 2019, uh, come every four weeks then, right? And mm -hmm. now those guys have transitioned to, you know, every two weeks and some are every week because they just want to continue to look fresh and clean because they feel more confident you know, their wife compliments them more or they've had career advancements from their appearance and how they look, just being put together more. Um, I've seen, you know, short haircuts go to long haircuts, like a lot more men as barbers progress in their training, a lot more men are coming to barbershops for those mid-length haircuts because they want the camaraderie of the barbershop, but they want that salon experience for scissor cutting mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of the barbershops are starting to dive into education and providing the, the barbers that work at the shop um, with more knowledge around hairstyles and trends as well. So I've seen that kind of changes too. But the ultimate change in the hair industry over the last uh, number of years is, you know, you have the, the toxic side that's gotten even more toxic because you have shops in the area that are bad mouthing each other because they're both really good. Or you have the complete opposite end of the spectrum where those shops that are really, really good are just building each other up. So it's kind of gone both ways since I've since I've been in the industry. There's a lot more shit talking that goes on in the barber culture than ever, but there's a lot more love as well. So it's kind of, you know, it's a weird dynamic. It just seems like in general, just from a overall society perspective, there's a lot more shit talking. <laughs> yeah. And I barbers, know, I don't know that that's just barbering. Yeah. And barbers don't help man Cause they just sit in the <laughs> shop all day, ready to pop one off. Right. Like that's all we do is throw comebacks at each other or just digs all day long. So you right. don't want to come in a barber shop trying to win an argument cause it's not going to happen. Right. Then don't, don't be thin skinned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't. All right. Well, Lucas, that's a, that's all the questions I've got. Thank you for that. Uh, for that walk, you know, walk through your, you know, through your journey yeah. to, uh, to becoming a, a celebrity barber you are today. Perfect. I, I appreciate all of the questions for sure. <laughs> for sure.